So if you happen to have come or been brought to church since you were a wee little person, then you're probably familiar with the story of Zacchaeus, and you're probably familiar with the song. Do you want to sing that together this morning? I won't do that to you. If you're familiar with this story about Zacchaeus, um, I just want to encourage you today not to tune out because of how familiar you are with the story, because in this scripture, in this text, that God the Spirit wanted Luke to record so that you and I and saints through the centuries would know it, because there's important truth here for us. We should be amazed today. I should be amazed. We just sang about God's amazing grace. Never forget how far Jesus went to pursue you if you're a believer in him today. To know him, to be loved by him and cared by him for all eternity. We see God's relentless pursuit of unworthy sinners. Us. Don't forget that. And be reminded that what you once were without Christ or where you would be if Christ didn't come into your life and and rescue you early on. As is a case in my life, nothing I did to deserve it, but God's grace added. So if you're familiar with the story, don't tune out today. But also, maybe you're not familiar with the story of Zacchaeus at all. Here's a person who was little in stature, and I think because it's mentioned... He must have been very, very short. But he was a big man. He had made a big, he had made it big. He was rich and he'd gained a lot. But Zacchaeus was looking for something else. And Jesus came to bring that something else he was looking for. A new life, a fresh life, a changed life, a better life, eternal life with God. So Luke recorded this for us because we need to be reminded again today about God's pursuing love. Because he's always pursuing people. He's seeking sinners for their good. We church people. As one commentator said in old language, we churchmen or church women kind of forget (laughs) what we were before Christ rescued us or what we would become if Christ didn't rescue us. We don't ponder even how much we need God's grace each day to live for his honor and glory, how dependent we are on him. So God tells us this story so we don't miss it. So let's take just three ideas today. A new perspective from a tree. We look at the first four verses. Chris read it, but let me reread it. He entered Jericho, that is Jesus, and he was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. I love that little detail. And he was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus, who, was, but on, who, who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. There's a great backstory to Luke chapter 19. Sometimes we forget about that if we're not reading through, but this was Jesus' last journey to Jerusalem. Jesus was on his way to the cross. 
Jesus was on his way to die for the world's sins, for my sins. And, and sin is just missing the mark. It's like shooting an arrow and you're going for the bullseye and we miss it all the time. That is sin, missing the mark. So Jesus died for my sins when I miss the mark. I, I disobey God. I go my own way on purpose because I don't want to obey him or I try and I fail. He died for your sins. He's died, he died for the world's sins and that means we're... Uh, going to have eternal death if we die in our sins. And death is separation from God's presence and separated from God's grace for all eternity. And that's a terrible place to be. We can't imagine it, but that's what hell is. Absence of God's presence. And even though the world's a mess, do you understand that God's grace is watching over us even now? And if it weren't for his grace, it would be as bad or worse than in the days of Noah before the flood. So, what are the important backstories to Luke chapter 19 and Zacchaeus? Just turn back a page or two in your Bible and look at chapter 18. Look at verse 9. Interesting that Jesus would tell this parable on his way to Jericho. Look at verse 9. Jesus is teaching and he said this parable to some who trusted in themselves and they were, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other, what? A tax collector. Interesting that Jesus would tell this parable. And the two men prayed and of course the tax collector would not even look up to heaven. He bowed down and he wouldn't look up. He beat his breast and said, I'm unworthy. The Pharisee or the church person, the religious person, was all braggy and braggadocious in his prayer. I'm so glad I'm not like that tax collector. Just fill in the blank. I'm so glad I'm not like that Zacchaeus. Look a little further in verse 15. Let the children come to me. Now, I don't want to make too big of a deal about this, but it isn't it interesting that Zacchaeus was short like a child. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them, that is Jesus. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them, but Jesus called to them, to them, to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I don't know why the disciples undervalued the children. I don't know what was going on in their mind at that moment. But for some reason, they didn't think Jesus should be bothered with children. And Jesus said, if you're not like a child, dependent like a child, trusting like a child, humble like a child, needy like a child, I have no part with you. You have no part with me. Another backstory. Look at verse 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Uh-oh. Zacchaeus, you're in trouble. 
do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said, you lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was what? Extremely rich. And then Jesus said, <laughs> how hard it is for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God, for it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's just really good to know these backstories to Zacchaeus' story because, wow, tax collector, ch child, children, rich. All those strikes were against him. Is there any hope? for Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. He was in trouble. He was in trouble with his community because he, he had been become a traitor. He had gone over to Rome and became a chief tax collector. He was abusing, he was stealing from his own people, the Jewish people in the city of Jericho. So he was ostracized from that community. He was in trouble with God because he was rich and that doesn't make you a bad person, but he was rich because he was stealing, because he was conniving, because he was greedy, and that's idolatry. So he was in trouble with his community because of what he had done. He was in trouble with God because of who he was. He was a sinner. But you know what else we see in this story? Don't miss it. God's heart and his mission. Never forget this story. And if you sing the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, to help you remember the story, don't forget the truth that's behind it. That God pursues lost people. And he wants to change them. Face-to-face -face meetings should change how I prioritize my life, how I live my life, how I speak. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus told us what he came to do. Let me just read from Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus read from Isaiah, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he closed the scroll and he said, today, this prophecy, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That was at the beginning of his ministry in Luke chapter 4. And look what Jesus is busy doing near the end of his ministry. Seeking to save what is lost. Still on mission. I must go to your house today. You see, the new era Jesus brought in in Luke chapter 4, today this scripture has been fulfilled. I come today to release the captive and to set people free. Well, that day was still going on in Zacchaeus' day, and it's still going on today until Jesus returns. Never forget that truth. Today, God is saving sinners. Today and tomorrow until Jesus comes again and he invites us to be a part of it. So Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. That's an unusual title. It's like he was the CEO 
in Jericho of the tax office. He was the big guy. The little guy was the big guy, and he was rich. And Jericho was right on a trade route, so it was a lucrative place to be. It was on a main trade route. He was rich. And normally, if you're rich, the Jewish people thought that tradition had it, or the the culture was saying that God was blessing you. But everyone knew Zacchaeus wasn't being blessed by God because he had been a traitor. He was stealing from people, raising the price to get rich, scraping off the top giving Rome what Rome wanted, but keeping the rest for himself and his employees. And he probably kept the lion's share the most. And riches put your life in peril. So the next time you want to win the lottery, just remember that. Riches put your spiritual life in peril. The little guy had made himself big. I wonder if he was proving something to his high school friends. Maybe he got bullied. Maybe he got picked on. I don't know. But we do know something about Zacchaeus. He was looking for Jesus. He wanted to see this person, this man, this this healer, this maybe Messiah person. He had heard about him. He wanted him to see him. So he climbed a tree so he could get a glimpse of this this man, Jesus. Why do you climb trees? When's the last time you climbed a tree? <laughs> well, when I was little, is because, well, I had older brothers, so it was a right to manhood, right? The higher you climb, you climb out on a branch, you climb the right branch, it kind of takes you to a ride down to the ground. That's a pretty cool thing. So you climb a tree to hide. You climb a tree to get a better view, like Zacchaeus. I climbed a tree because, for safety, because I was getting chased by 1,200 pounds of meat called a bull chasing me in the pasture. I literally climbed the tree to be safe. Zacchaeus climbed a tree because he really wanted to see Jesus. But the most important reality is that Jesus really wanted to see him. Why did you climb the stairs today into the sanctuary? Or ride the elevator? I hope it was to get a better view of Jesus. To know his heart. To know him and how much he loves you. Longing to get a better view so the Spirit can teach us and lead us and to seek out the Zacchaeus is the way Jesus is pursuing you today. Whether you believe in him or not, he's still pursuing you. A new perspective from a tree. Remember the tree to think about how much Jesus wants you to see him and how he's looking up or looking down, however you want to look at it. He's seeking you. He's seeking you. He wants to know, you to know him. Secondly, we want to take a look just quickly at urgent matters for today because that's a key thought. Today, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Hurry, Zacchaeus, 
I must stay at your house. Jesus is passing through Jericho, but he stopped. Zacchaeus only wanted to see Jesus, but Jesus wanted to meet Zacchaeus face to face and eat with him today. You know, Jesus' stopping is normal. He stopped the funeral procession when the widow was burying her her only son. The widow was burying her, her only son and she was weeping. And Jesus stopped the procession, the funeral procession, to, to raise him to life. He stopped and took time. That's his normal. He came to seek us, to serve us, not to be served. So he stopped when the sick woman reached out and touched his garment and was healed in that instant in the crowd, he stopped in the urgency of the moment for Jairus and his daughter to reflect and to meet this woman who reached out to touch him. And when the crowds were telling blind Bartimaeus to be quiet, don't bother him on the way into Jericho on this very day, Jesus stopped and said, Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do? Give me my sight. And he did. That's Jesus' normal. He stops and meets us in our need. Believer in Jesus Christ, would you take a moment right now and remember the moment Jesus called your name? And will you take a moment right now to thank him, to praise him, and to worship him? Oh God, help us to be anxious to meet with you again, to hear you call out our name and to come with joy sit down with you and to know you. Look at verse 9. And Zacchaeus stood, excuse me, verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Wow, there's this abrupt interruption in the story. We hardly know anything about Zacchaeus. We know he was short. We know he climbed a tree. We know he welcomed Jesus into his home, and we know he got changed when he met Jesus. This abrupt announcement. Zacchaeus really had cheated people. He was confessing it here publicly. He was confessing it to God, standing right before God, the Son of saying, I'm a cheat, (laughs) and I'm going to restore fourfold, way beyond what the Old Testament law demanded for him to do. And he said, I'm going to give half of what I have, what? To the poor. Wow. This is true repentance. Repentance is just a change of mind, a change of thinking. His actions didn't save him. His belief that Jesus was the Savior is what saved him. But his Actions, giving back what he had stolen fourfold, giving half to the poor, 
showed that he really believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and that he was going to live a new life because of meeting Jesus face to face. That's what John the Baptist said. If you repent, give me fruit. Show me the fruit of repentance. Don't just tell me you believe. Show me by what you do. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, many of you know these verses, but let me read them. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and it's not by yourselves. It's, it's a gift of God. It's not a result, result, excuse me, not a result of work so that no one can boast. So it's a gift of grace. Zac, Zacchaeus believed, and his works revealed that he had changed his direction in life because of his belief, his faith. Let me ask you this. Is today your day? When God is calling out your name, when Jesus has stopped and he's inviting you to believe, is today your day when Jesus, you've believed but you've wandered away or you haven't given him as much time and he's saying, I'm stopping and just saying, come and know my heart and learn of my ways and follow me and you will joyfully welcome me into your life and find life. Jesus said something interesting to Zacchaeus at the end of our text in Luke chapter 19 he says let me get to the right page here we go today salvation verse 9 salvation has come to this house since he is a son of Abraham wait a minute Zacchaeus was a Jewish man I thought he already was a son of Abraham by by bloodline no Zacchaeus was a Jew, he was a descendant of Abraham by blood, but in God's eyes, a true child of God, a son of Abraham or a daughter of Abraham, they're made sons by belief, not by blood. So we can all become children of God through faith, children of Abraham, the man of faith. In Galatians chapter 3, we read this. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, and you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So Zacchaeus became a true descendant of Abraham through faith. The sinful tax collector became a true child of Abraham, and that's the good news for you and me today. We can become a child of God through faith. We are freed from sin's power, and we can begin to live for God through God's power that lives in us through belief in Christ. Have you and will you believe? Jesus came to rescue us, not to judge us. He took God's judgment for our sins on himself so that we could have life when he died on a cross for our sins. This is the urgent matter of today, to believe. The era of Jesus coming to rescue will come to an end. Jesus said this, for as were the days of Noah, 
so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So God is telling us, reminding us, today is the day to believe. Today is the day to to accept Christ, not to put it off because it's dangerous to us. He may return very soon, and then it will be too late to believe, and he will justly judge. And as Jim read, think about our neighbors. Think about the people we're meeting in the restaurants that we go to. And begin to pray that God would open up opportunities for us to share this great hope. One final thought. Tree, okay. (laughs) Um, A new life shared at the table. A tree today and the table. Chapter 19, verses 6 through 7, Zacchaeus, it says, received Jesus happily, joyfully into his home. There was no hesitation. He was the sinner coming into the presence of a holy God, and he wasn't afraid because I think he began to understand. When Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, of all the people in Jericho, of all the homes I could go into, of all the religious people, the synagogue people, I want to be in your house. I want to meet with you. I think that surprised him. But look at verse 7 of, of chapter 19. And when they saw it, that is the crowd, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Let that truth sink in. Jesus' reputation is this. He wants to be known as a guest not of pastors or elders or ministry leaders or deacons or youth group leaders or children's ministry leaders. He wants to be known as what? A guest of sinners. Let it sink in. This is his reputation. He still is happy to be a guest of tax collectors and sinners. The grumblers had absolutely no understanding of God's heart, full of compassion for sinners. Those grumblers had forgotten, if they ever really knew, that they needed as much help as Zacchaeus to be rescued from sin and death and its consequences being separated from God, that they were headed for destruction. All the world has sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son for the whole world. Where we fail, we're lost, we're trapped in sin, and Jesus came to rescue us. People of God, church of God, people of Christ, followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, whatever your label you like 
to be called by. Let's protect one another from being known as grumblers. You know, we kind of feel safe here among God's people. At least we think we're God's people. <laughs> we believe we're God's people. But we often forget Christ's mission and our mission to be friends of sinners. To be guests of people who don't know God so they can at least rub shoulders with people who do know God and love God and want them to know and love God too, to know the life abundant that God is offering them. Why do we lose contact? Why do I lose contact with sinners, with people who don't know God? Why do we isolate ourselves? Well, one of the reasons we do that, or I do that, is it's a good reason. Because I don't want the negative stuff to rub off into my heart and into my life. To be overcome by temptations. If I hang around bad company, the word of God tells me that that's going to affect my life. It's going to corrupt me. Bad company corrupts good morals. So that's a good reason to separate ourselves. As a matter of fact, we're commanded to be holy, to be set apart, to be different than the world. So that's good to isolate ourselves in a sense. But the more subtle, dangerous thing is that I think we have a feeling of superiority. We feel inherently a little bit better than them. I know I'm a sinner, but at least I'm not as bad as Zacchaeus. We want to, be, we want to live honorably for Jesus' sake and for our testimony's sake, and that's a good thing. But if that leads us to not fulfill our calling of loving sinners, of being guests of sinners, of rubbing shoulders with sinners, then we don't understand this the power of Christ that lives in us to hold on to us. We don't understand that we can't do it alone, that we need partners to be accountable to one another, to keep one another in line so we don't go away. And another thing we don't understand is the motives of our heart because we need to seriously take an honest look at ourselves and say, hey, do I want to hang out with sinners so I can dabble in their sin? Or do I want to hang out with sinners and people who don't know God so that they can know him? Never do it alone and be prayerful. A new life shared at the table. Table fellowship has this incredibly deep significance in the Bible. It's pointing to a great banquet that we're going to have when Jesus returns. It has spiritual significance to hang out and eat a meal together, hence at a future heavenly banquet. And that's why Jesus was glad to go to banquets and he hung out with Pharisees, religious people, and with tax gatherers and sinners and prostitutes over meals because he was pointing them to a greater banquet to come, the banquet that when Jesus comes back that we'll have in the kingdom of God. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? This great banquet. And Luke in chapter 14 of Luke tells us a parable that Jesus told, records a parable that Jesus said. And a man in verse chapter 14, excuse me, in verse 16, Jesus says, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Sounds like God, doesn't it? And at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything's ready. 
but they all like began to make excuses. I bought a field, I must go and see it. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, I have to go examine them. Another said, I have a married wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant reported all that to the master of the house and he became angry and said to the servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, I've done what you commanded and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the edges and compel people to come in that the house may be full. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Never turn down the invitation to come. Zacchaeus did not turn down the invitation and he found life. Accepting Jesus' invitation to his banquet will change your life forever. We can have a new life. And Jesus is inviting you to that new life. Those whom I love, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Banquet. Fellowship a meal. Followers of Christ, do we understand, are we reminded today how much Jesus loves unbelieving sinners like us? Do you understand his deep desire for you to enjoy his friendship and his salvation and fellowship? Zacchaeus accepted the invitation. Jesus calls your name, he must call your name, and you have to answer. The theme verse of Luke's gospel is Luke 19.10. You have it memorized, and if you don't, it's a good one to do. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And will you allow that truth to change how you interact with someone this week? how you pray for someone this week. Is my heart beating in tune with Jesus for sinners? How does Jesus respond to people who do not accept his invitation? What do you think? We close with this thought. Luke chapter 19. As Jesus was entering Jerusalem, what did he do? on on, on Palm Sunday. Hear these verses from Luke 19. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would you, even you had known on this day the things that would make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time or the day of your visitation. Do you understand that God weeps 
even as his holy justice judges those who refuse him. He weeps for them. He cries for them. Oh, that our hearts would be filled with that same compassion. To weep even for those who do not love God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I would just ask that you would awaken my heart, our hearts, to be more like yours. To never forget that you came seeking the lost and that you've sent us to do the same. So I ask you to help us to see the lost in a different way, to weep over them in a different way, to have compassion for them in a different way than maybe we do when we came in here today. Lord, I ask you to help me to see the Zacchaeuses around me and not to turn away from them, but to welcome them to be a part of my life. And Lord, if there's someone here today that does not know you, does not, has not received this invitation as you're calling out their name to believe, would you stir in their hearts to seek you until they find you, to know you, and to be changed. I pray this all in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen.